Amen. We'll be in Mark chapter 8 this morning. Mark chapter 8, if you could join me and turn it there in your Bibles. We have been going through um, a series of messages here um, throughout the Gospel of Mark, but more recently in uh, what many have described as being really the heart of the Gospel of Mark. This is sort of the central focus. And so uh, we've had three different messages. Um, this will be the third message kind of in that central portion of the Gospel of Mark. Um, you could call it the, 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 the um, central theme. You could call it the turning point, whatever you want to call it there. Uh, but that's where we are, and we are in the third and final message of that section here today. So this is found in Mark chapter 8, and uh, we're going to begin reading together in verse uh, 34. I'll read it aloud if you would just follow along in the Bible with me as I read that aloud. But uh, Mark 8, beginning in verse 34, says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. It's a powerful message, a powerful account that Jesus is declaring to his disciples here. And uh, this, this comes at a particular part in, in the ministry. If you remember, as we started this central section here, uh, we began with what many refer to as Peter's confession. And uh, you think back to uh, Jesus asking, basically, who, who, who do men say that I am? Right? And, and we have that response back in verse 28, right there in Mark 8, 28. Right? The answer is John the Baptist, some say Elias or Isaiah, one of the prophets. Verse 29, he says to them, but whom say ye that I am? And then here's the confession, the end of verse 29. Peter answereth and saith unto him, thou art the Christ. And then he tells them, don't tell anyone about this. Right? So, so here's the great confession. And that was kind of the first message in, in the heart of this, the, that confession of Peter. So the, the second message then was what we might call uh, the clarification, verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 31 here. He began to teach them, the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected the elders, and of the chief priests, the scribes, be killed, and after three days rise again. Verse 32, spake that saying openly. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Okay, so here's, here's Jesus' uh, clarification. This is, and the clarification is the Messiah must suffer, right? So we, we have the confession, you are the Christ. We have the clarification, Jesus reminding the disciples the Messiah must suffer. And then we're coming to this third message today, and, and another way of calling this is the cost, right? To say the cost. Um, you know, it's not just Jesus who will suffer. His followers will suffer as well. And so he is, he is pointing out to the disciples in this passage that we read as we started that the, the followers of Christ must suffer. Think about uh, invitations, right? You, normally, a lot of times, pastors at the end of the message will give an invitation. And you will remind people about Jesus who died on the cross for the sins of the world. 
and that, that by believing in him, you, you can have eternal life. By putting your faith and trust in Christ to save you, that you can have eternal life. And, and the reason for that is simple, right? We are sinners. We have, we have sinned against the holy God, and there's no doubt about it. Uh, every one of us has sinned, right? That, that, there should be no doubt in any of our minds that we do things that displease God. Uh, that, that is a reality. That is a fact. But, but the issue is, what do I do with that sin, right? I, I have done something that has displeased my God. And, and so what, what do I do with that? And God is just. He is loving, but he is just. And he is a fair and righteous judge. And he will judge sin properly. And here's the, here's the concern. Here's the problem, right? Just one sin is enough to cause us to, to go to hell, to be damned. Just one sin. Why? Because it's an offense against a holy God who is perfect and blameless. So, so the issue becomes, what do I do with this sin that I have? How can I ever make this right? And the answer is, you can't. There's nothing you can do to make it right. But God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And he shed his own blood to pay pen- sin's penalty so that by believing in him, you can have eternal life. And normally at that point in a message, we, we say to people, if you want to be saved, you can be saved right now, just simply believe. And, and that is true. That is an invitation, right? That's what that is. It's an invitation to be saved. And, and that is a, a very clear explanation of the gospel and what it means. But Jesus here in this passage is giving another invitation. And, and he is giving an invitation, and this invitation is not anything like that one. This one is an invitation to become one of his followers, to become a believer, but the invitation is come and suffer. How many, how many uh, sales pitch do you have here like that, right? I mean, that, that is not normal in our day and age, right? This isn't, like, this isn't like the slick back hair, you know, salesman trying to make the, make the deal, right? Hey, I, I really think you'd look great in this car. I, I think it would be wonderful for you. W- would you just give it a test drive? Because all of your life, if you have this car, it's going to break down so many times. It, it, you're going to have to pay so much money to repair it. Just riding down the road, you're going to have to get a chiropractor because it, it, it handles so poorly. Your back is going to be out of alignment just, just going to a trip around the corner to Food Lion. How many salesmen make that sales pitch? Never, right? <laughs> right? I mean, you, a lot of times you talk about the positive things and you just kind of forget about the negative things. That's usually what happens. Right? Well, Jesus didn't forget about the negative things. There are challenges that come with being a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, there are a lot of pastors out there who would have you to forget all about the challenges. They would love for you to forget all about the challenges and difficulties that come with being a believer in Christ. They, they would be glad, and, and in fact, they will tell you things sometimes that, that aren't even in the Bible to try to get people to say that they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, based on what they're saying, they're, what they're saying is a lie, and so people who believe it a lot of times aren't a true follower of Jesus Christ. But they will say things like, like oh, if you, just, if you just add Jesus to your life, you'll have all these wonderful things. That's not how it works. If you just add Jesus to your life, then, then your business will be successful. If you just add Jesus for, to your life 
everything will be great. Every day you'll wake up excited about that new day. That's not the reality, right? I think most believers would say, do you still have bad days? Huh? Anybody here care to admit? Do you still have bad days? I still have bad days. You ever face persecution? You ever face challenges because of your faith? Where you make a statement that you believe and you face difficulty because of it? Here's Christ's invitation. Hey, come and suffer. Come and suffer. And and he puts this in in three specific ways in verse 34. Verse 34, he he, he puts it in three specific ways. It says, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So there are three things there. And let's break those things. There are three things that describe the followers of Christ from this passage. The first is deny yourself. Okay, what's Jesus saying there? Whatever you want, whatever your goals in life are, be willing to set those aside for God. What? (laughs) You want me to be willing to... To, to set aside my desires, my wishes, isn't this my life? Here's what Jesus is saying. Not anymore. If you're willing to come after me, it's not your life anymore. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us, Jesus is calling his followers, those who are willing to follow, to lay down their life for him. To set aside our wishes, our desires, our things for him. Now, what does that mean? Some people, some people they, they hear this and you, you say, look, Jesus would have you to follow after him. Believe in Jesus Christ and follow after him. What, what do some people say when, when they hear that? No, I don't think I want that. <laughs> right? I don't want to give up X, Y, Z, whatever it is. I don't want to have to do that. I like my life. I like doing things my way. I am not interested in doing things some other way. I want it how I want it. A lot of people refuse to deny themselves and recognize Jesus, the Savior, who who wants to serve as the God of their life, their leader. And they're, they're so set on setting that. Now, what happens? Deny yourself, right? That lesson, that language, denial there. We ever see it anywhere else? Well, let's consider what denial looks like. Peter denied Christ. So after this, he would come to deny Christ just before the crucifixion. I'm going to read you just a few verses from that. You don't have to turn there. Luke 22, 54 through 61 says, They took him and led him, brought him into the high priest's house. Peter followed afar off. Right, So that's Jesus going in there. Peter's following. Verse 55, They kindled a fire in the midst of the hall. They were set down together. Peter sat down among them. 56, A certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, earnestly looked on him and said, This man was also with him. He denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. After a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. 
Peter said, man, I am not. About that space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying, of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, man, I, I know not what thou sayest. What happened immediately, he spoke. The cock crew, Lord turned, looked at Peter. Peter remembered what the Lord, how he had said to him before, the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice, three times. Right? What happened? Peter denied Jesus three times. How much of a denial was that? I don't even know him. Right? That's what Peter said. Okay? So here's, here's Jesus, and he's saying, if you want to follow after me, deny yourself. <laughs> What's that mean? I don't even know me. And, and a lot of people who have come to salvation in Jesus Christ have, have, have said, I don't even know me anymore. Because before I knew Christ, my life was focused on doing the things that please me. And now it's not about me anymore. It's about pleasing my Savior. What happened to that person? They denied themselves. That's exactly what they did. Now here's the, here's the scary thing about that. When we think about denying ourselves, denying what, what we want to do, our own selfish goals, our own selfish ambitions, then, then we have to recognize that through this process, right? There, there are many times after we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ where we, we could say deny ourselves, from that point forward, there will be many times when we still sin, right? <laughs> when we turn back to self, when we shouldn't. There will be many times when we do things that are wrong and please ourselves. Now, you, you may be sitting here today and be saying, you know, I, I know that Jesus is my Savior, but if you're asking me how many times this week or whatever did I deny myself, you probably have instances where you say, I, I didn't please the Lord there. Right? I, I didn't deny my own selfish ambition there. I went back and, and did what I wa- wanted, and I know it wasn't pleasing to God. Or that, that is a, a reality. And, and you know what happens when, when we sin like that continually and we do those things over and over again? I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I, I even will admit I feel this way. God, if I can do all that, am I even saved? Right? Am I even saved? I believe in you, I know you, I love you, and, and yet I, I still went back to this thing that I know is selfish, it's about me, it's not about you, and I shouldn't have done that. One of the things that happens when we continue, even after having faith in Christ as our Savior, one of the things that happens is that we, we, and we turn back to our own selfish way and our own selfish desires, is we feel like we're not saved. What is that? That's called assurance. Why, why is that such an issue? Well, when, when, when we are followers of Christ, when we have been born again, when we have denied ourselves, and we're to follow after him, and in that process we fall short, just like Peter did in what we just read, we're not living the way that a follower should. Right? We're, we're not behaving the way a follower should. We've sinned against our holy God again, and, and so we, we have to turn back to him. But if we continue in that sin... If we continue in that way, what happens? We, we recognize, okay, God has called me to be a follower, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to honor him a certain way, to make choices that please him, and yet I didn't do it. And so we start feeling like, well, am I really a follower? Right? There is a distinction 
between those who, who are true followers and yet falling short, like Peter did. Right? There is a distinction between that group and those who have never denied themselves to begin with. You know, when, when this passage says, when Jesus says, let him deny himself, right, that, that's past tense one time. You are to deny yourself. Now, you're to continue to deny yourself as a follower. But th- this is the one time it happens in salvation where, where you say, okay, God, th- this is not about me. Th- this is not about me. This is about you. This world is not about me. It is about my God. And, and God is the one who created me. He's the one who made me. He is the one who made it all. And I sinned against him. And so, God, I'm going to set down what I want, my desires, or what I've made up about what this life is all about. And I'm going to believe what you said. I'm going to trust in you. And, and that's what salvation is. That has to take place. For somebody to be born again. That, that has to take place. And, and so, what happens? We fall short of that, right? We fall short of that all the time. Luke 18, verse 9 says, He spake this parable unto a certain which had trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. He goes on and describes, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a publican. Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other Men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Publican standing afar off would not so much as lift his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What's it saying? There is one who is all about himself, Right? I am righteous. I am good. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like these terrible sinners over here. I am so wonderful. What's Jesus say? He's exalting himself. He will be abased. There's another one. Lord, I am a terrible sinner. Please forgive me. Will you be my savior? I am looking to you for salvation. I can't do it on my own. I have no means, nothing to offer, nothing to give. I just need salvation. He who humbled himself shall be exalted. What happened? He denied himself. He said, it wasn't about me. It's about my God. It's about my Savior. And he was born again. So that the first description here of those who are followers of Christ is that they deny themselves. The second is this. Take up your cross. It's right there in verse 34. You know, in our culture, that's a little bit unusual. We don't have too many crucifixions going on today. Um, you know, that, that, that would have been a common practice in the day when the Bible was written. Obviously, Jesus would go to the cross for the sins of the world. And, and so as we think about that, if, if we consider salvation today, back then you became a Christian and then there was a good chance you might get martyred. Right? You might get killed over your faith. Today, you become a Christian and everybody rejoices and comes up and pats you on the back and say, hey, it's wonderful. Let's go have a party and celebrate. Pretty different, right? Pretty different circumstances. There are still those today who face immediate persecution as a result of their decision. Think of uh, somebody I went to high school with. You may have have heard of him, Nabil Qureshi, Muslim, 
grew up Muslim. He's a Muslim when I knew him in high school. Gets to Old Dominion University. He is in a room, gets a roommate who is a believer, name of David Wood. And slowly over the course of a number of years, David Wood leads him to Christ. Nabil's a brilliant, brilliant person. Absolutely brilliant. Finishes ODU, goes to EVMS, gets his medical doctor. But he's saved now. So he doesn't practice medicine. And so he leaves. He denies himself. Could make a lot of money. Denies himself. Goes out to California to Biola University and starts studying apologetics. Starts going to different college campuses and churches and declaring the truth of the word of God. Now, that in and of itself is pretty cool, right? I mean, we, we would look at that and say, well, that, that's pretty amazing. He, he gave up his money. He gave up being a doctor. I mean, there was a lot of money there you could make. And he left that behind, and he goes and he starts talking to churches for, like, love offerings. I mean, you leave all that behind for, for those things. Well, that, that's denying yourself. But the other part of that, you know, Nabil's parents were still Muslim. And they weren't too happy that their good Muslim boy turned into a Christian. And so immediately, relationships were severed. Within the family, it wasn't the same dynamic anymore. He was persecuted for his faith. Imagine going home from college and it just doesn't feel like the same home anymore. The love of your parents that you knew, now it is antagonistic. Anya had a friend in Poland. She grew up Catholic. She comes to Christ. She leaves the church that she grew up in. And she says, I want to go somewhere that believes the Bible. She was actually fearful that she could be hurt by her own family because of her belief. What is that? Taking up your cross. She knew there would be consequences. And yet she did it. She was willing to endure persecution. She was willing to do, endure pain for the sake of the gospel. You know, that second message in this series was that the Messiah must suffer. The third is this. If Jesus is a suffering Messiah, then his followers also need to be willing to suffer. Past tense, we had to deny we had to make that decision, okay, it's not about me, this is about my God. Past tense, we had to take up our cross. Whatever you have for me, Lord, I will follow you. Whatever it brings, persecution, pain, whatever it is, I will follow you. Because you're worth it. Present tense then, follow me. It's the third thing that Jesus says there, these are the aspects of a follower. Think about what happened here, what, what went through. You know, one of the things that happened with Simon Peter was he was restored. John 21 gives us that account, beginning in verse 15. It says, When they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto, them, unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith again a second time, Simon, lovest thou me? 
Lord, you know I love thee. Feed my sheep. Verse 17. Third time, Simon, lovest thou me? Peter's grieved. Says a third time, uh, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldst. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. When he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. What just happened? Simon had denied Christ, right? Now he's denying himself. He's saying, I love you, Lord. I will follow you. Jesus is saying, you're right. You will follow me. But not just in believing, not just in love, but you will follow me because you will go to the cross just like I will go to the cross. Just as I will be lifted up on that tree and die for your faith, you will be lifted up on the cross and die. Follow me. Is that your faith this morning? Is that what you are willing to do? This, this is the invitation to Peter. Are you going to follow? Are you going to come after me? It's going to end in your crucifixion, but are you going to come after me? Peter said, yes, Lord. Right, 1 Peter 2.21, For even hereto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Peter understood what it meant. He understood that there would be suffering that would come from following after Jesus. And he said, I, I will do it, Lord. I will do it. So what, what can this mean today? What does this look like today? Let's get practical. Okay? You got a job. Got a good job. Making money. Supporting the family. Whatever it is. Let's say your job is dishonoring to God. Let's say you're, you're working at a place that displeases God. Okay, maybe it's by the very nature of what that place is. Or may, may, maybe you're down at the casino and, and you're seeing people lose their money day by day and just sink their wealth to, to make a company rich. Maybe that's your job. Are you willing to leave it to follow Christ? Maybe you're at a job where constantly you are not able to worship with God's people because it means you will be in the workplace Sunday after Sunday. And, and you, you can't get around it. Are you willing to leave it and change to a different position to honor God? Maybe you have friends who, when you're around them, if, if you talk about the things of God, you are going to hear about it to no end. You will be the laughing stock of the group. Are you willing to still claim your Savior, even with other people around, who you know are going to give you a hard time about it? It's a cost there. Right? Men go out of town on the business trip. 
All the guys are hitting the local club. No wouldn't be pleasing to God. You know your wife wouldn't be happy. Are you willing to please God and endure being different from that group called out for the sake of the gospel? Everybody talks a certain way at work. Everybody says things a certain way at work. I don't want to be the one who sounds different. They'll cuss you up and down, right? I don't want to be the one who sounds different. It's what everybody says. Are you willing to be different? And when somebody asks you, why, why don't you sound like us anymore? It's because Jesus Christ saved me. And I want different kind of speech in my life. Could I tell you about him? Are you willing to say that? You see, see each of these things, when, when we act differently from those around us who don't know the Lord, when we act differently, each of those things is an opportunity to give God glory. Well, why, why won't you come with us and go out to that club? Well, I won't go because I don't think it'd be pleasing to my Savior. Can I... Could we sit down and I'll tell you, I'll tell you about him? <laughs> no, 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 right? I mean, one of the reasons that, that I think we don't get opportunities to share the gospel is because we look just like everybody else. Right? If, if the way we act, if the way we talk, if the places we go are just like the people who don't love God, then what's the difference? What's there even any point in talking about it? Because it looks just the same. See, if we know God, if we take a stand, if we take up our cross, if we deny ourselves, then all of a sudden we look different. And people want to know, what's up with that guy? And when they want to know what's up with that guy, that's your opportunity to say, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my Savior. And You know, salvation's available for you as well. See, that's the, the wonder of, of this verse. The, these verses here are, are dealing with salvation. Uh, I'm not saying that somebody comes to Christ and all of a sudden they're sinless or perfect, right? Quite the opposite. Anybody who even is a believer is still a sinner and still constantly even denies their God in their choices and actions day by day. But thankful for a, a Savior who is willing to forgive, a God who offers forgiveness. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know that's true. We know that that is right. But, but when, we, when we go through these things and, and we, we, we are born again, we'll still continue in sin, but we need to make sure, right? We will still continue to sin, put it that way. But we need to make sure that as we do, we are confessing, forsaking, and seeking to be more like Christ. What's the point of that? When you become a Christian immediately, you're not automatically sinless, right? That's not how this works. But there is a change that happens. There is a desire to please God. This verse here is talking about salvation that we're reading about. There's no doubt about it. This is talking about salvation. If we want to be born again, we, we need to deny ourselves. We need to take up our cross. 
we need to, to follow after Jesus. But as we think about what it means, right, would you be willing to accept Christ's offer? Say, Lord, I will follow after you. I am willing to deny myself, my own wishes, my own desire. I will follow after you. Because we, we talked about it. This, this, is not, this is not the same as, oh, if you would just do this, you will get everything in your life that you want. You will be happy, etc., etc. That's not what's being said here. Let's look ahead as we think about what this actually means. Because it is still about gain and loss. Verse 35, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and for the gospels, the same shall save it. What's that verse saying? Okay, if you lay down your life now, you will get it for all eternity. If you cling to your life now, you will lose it for all eternity. Sometimes we get scared, you know, we start, start saying, well... I don't know if we ought to be, be talking about, you know, if you believe, then, then you, can, you can have, uh, you know, just, just confidence and blessings in heaven and all those things. Jesus had no problem talking about it. Right? He, he's saying here, lay down your life now and enjoy the blessings for all eternity. Cling to your life today and it will, you will be judged. And you will face that judgment for all eternity. Verse 36. What shall it profit a man? He shall gain the whole world, lose his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Here's the language. If you are willing to give up gains, whatever it is, for the sake of God, if you are willing to lay down those things, maybe there are certain things that, that in life as an unbeliever that were kind of unethical that you've done. Maybe in business, there are some things that are, are kind of unethical that you've done before. Right? You, you ever had something where you maybe told a lie to get extra money or whatever it was or, or marked something up a certain way? I, I mean, even in civil service jobs, you know, I, I remember working in Chesapeake uh, where, where you have stuff you know, we, we were lab tests for, for water and, and different things like that. Thankfully, I, I worked with very ethical bosses. But, but one of those things was if, if, a, if a test result was off, there were definite consequences, right? Work, penalty, otherwise. And, it, you know, if, if you mess up a city's water, it goes right up to the city council and you probably lose your job. I mean, that kind of stuff was there. That pressure was there. And so you, you get a test result that's, that's off. Well, there's a process for dealing with that, right? Was it collected poorly? Whatever it was, there's a process. Or do you just fudge the number and then nobody knows? I mean, probably nothing really wrong. Probably messed it up when you collected the sample. We just fudge the number. Well, no, that's not pleasing to God, right? There is a process in place. And, and so you make those choices where, where you do it the right way, regardless of what the cost is. It was a few months ago, the water meter stopped at the parsonage, stopped running. Boy, I got that bill. I said, yeah, this bill's a little bit low. Kind of stopped later in the month. It was down a little bit. So I'm going to have to keep an eye on this. I saw they had been working at the meter. Next month, get the bill. The bill's zero. 
okay, well, I wonder how long that would go before they caught it, right? I mean, you, you could do that, right? And, and they might not catch it for six months' time. And you get by with not paying a water bill. Wouldn't that be great? No, what's the right thing to do? I called up Newport News Waterworks. The lady was very kind. She said, how can I help you? I said, hi, my water bill's not high enough. <laughs> she said, uh, I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> right? Why? It's the right thing to do. Right? We don't want to steal water. That's not pleasing to God. And so we, you do the right thing. That's what God has called believers to do. Verse 38 goes on, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father and with his holy angels. If you're ashamed of God today, Jesus will be ashamed of you when you stand before him. If you want to be pleasing to God, end of your life. Don't be ashamed of him now. Live a life in a way that is pleasing to him. You know, as I heard it described this way, it really is kind of all about winning and losing. If you're willing to lose in this world, you will win in the next. If you have to win in this one at all costs, you will lose in the next. It really is just that simple. The invitation this morning is a bit unusual. So won't you come and suffer? See, the wonders of salvation are this. There, there is a clear description in the Bible of two different groups of people, and everybody falls into one of these two categories. And the Bible puts it this way, those who believe and those who believe not. Okay? So uh, if this, this side is those who believe and this side is those who believe not, I'm not speaking of you in particular, but... Uh, Let's say that that is true, right? There are those who have, have believed, trusted, put their faith, however you want to describe it, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, for eternal life. Here, here's another way of describing that same thing. There are those who have repented, and there's those who have repented not. Repentance is a word that just means change of mind, right? It is a change of mind or change of understanding. Before I was a believer... I did not have a clear understanding of who God was. I did not have a clear understanding that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and and that, that simply by turning my back on my own way of thinking and thinking that either I had to be good enough or whatever it was, that, that somehow I could get there or do it or live life my own way, I had to change my thought process. I had to repent. I needed a change of mind. And so once I repented about who God was, right, who, who, who God actually is. And, and I recognize Jesus as my Savior, that this is my God. This is the one I want to follow. I, what happened? You go from those who, 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 repent, who did not repent to being one who repented. Other language today. Deny yourself. When life was about me. When life was about doing my own thing. When life was about my own thoughts. I was in that same category of those who believe not. And then God worked in my heart. And there was a change 
And, and I believed. I repented. I denied myself. And I said, you know, it's not about me anymore. It's about my God. And it's not about what I think. It's about what he has revealed in his word. And it's true. And I became a believer. I became someone who had repented. I became someone who had denied. And I became another imperfect follower of Jesus Christ. You see, that's salvation. That's what Jesus has called everyone to. And the invitation today is, won't you come and suffer? Because we suffer, but for a short time. We are made low, but for a short time. We are abased, but for a short time. And then God himself will exalt those who know him. Not because we're great, but because Jesus is great. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the power of your word. Father, we thank you for this message and this challenge from your your scripture. And Lord, we pray that we would be willing to lay aside our own desires, that we would deny ourselves. Father, that regardless of what comes, we would follow after you through it. We would take up our cross and, and become true followers of you. Father, as I think of those listening to this message today, Lord, there are likely some who would say, I have never denied myself. I have never taken up my cross. I have never become a true follower of Jesus Christ. I want to be saved today. Father, I pray that you would be working in their hearts right now. Father, for those who would say, I'm a believer, but my life has not been one of denial, look too much like the world. Sometimes I don't even feel saved. But I pray that you would work in those hearts at this moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you want to give you a chance to respond? I'm not going to call anybody out. As the pianist begins to play, if you would say, Pastor, I've never been saved. I've never believed. I've never repented. I've never denied myself. I want to be a follower of Christ. And I want to do it right now. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? Anybody like that at all? I'm not going to call you out. Just pray for you. more question this morning. Anybody would say, Pastor, I, I'm a believer. But I've certainly been failing to deny myself. In fact, I may have even been denying my Savior around other people, my choices and actions, even if I didn't use the words. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Anybody like that at all? going to call you out. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, as you work in lives and hearts by the power of your word, Lord, help us to draw ever nearer to you. Father, we, we thank you 
for so many here who know you, that you have not left us alone, that you have given us grace to meet the challenges of the day. Father, help us to be victorious in our lives. Father, may day by day we be more and more pleasing to you. Father, we do pray these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.